Aston Villa are catching the eye this transfer window with some big money moves. To find out more about our new signings and potential incomings today, I'm joined by Doogie Critchley, who's a broadcaster with Football Daily, and you see him on Sky Sports too. Doogie, it's good to have you back on the podcast again. Cheers, Frankie. Good to be here. Yeah, no worries. Um, so look, we'll get to the big signing, you know, Musa Diaby and Pau Torres in a minute. But one player I keep seeing links to is the Ren attacker Jeremy Doku. Now, I do want to find out a little bit more about Doku, just because it's a link that won't go away. So, um, Doogie, what do you make of the player Jeremy Doku? He's a bit of a maverick. Uh, he's a very exciting player to watch. There's always, you know, a feeling of sort of electricity in the air when he gets on the ball, mainly due to his speed, his, ele- his sort of agility, his his acceleration off the mark is always really, really good as well. He probably hasn't kicked on as much as people would have expected by now in his career. I mean, there were some useful cameos for Belgium in Euro 2020. Uh, but last year, still at Rennes, still a bit in and out the side. And it feels like if you guys are going for him, it's really that sort of depth option because he can play off the left and off the right. But yeah, this is a guy in terms of his dribbling ability is right up there with the you know the best in Europe, but in a very different way from Moussa Diaby, probably just doesn't have the, the output or at least the consistent output just yet. Is he comparable to Eberichi Eze, would you say? I feel like I've watched him play and he has a similar kind of like he's good at sort of being stationary, players are surrounding him and then he just can sort of drive away with a bit of skill. Is that a fair comparison, would you say? Yeah, I think Eze is probably a little bit more polished in terms of his passing. I think Eze really improved towards the back end of last year, having come back from from injury as well and was scoring some wonderful long-range strikes. I'd rather see Doku in the wide areas, one-on-one potentially, um, because he is very capable of beating his man on the outside or on the inside as well. Um, But I think Villa fans, you know, it's not, he's not the finished product in the way that Pau Torres or Tielemans or or Moussa Diaby is. This is definitely more of a development player if you were to get him in. And kind of, how different would you say he is to Diaby? I mean, obviously, Diaby's more developed, but like, how different as a player is he? I think Diaby's probably biggest skill is making late runs in behind uh, defences and linking up really effectively with Jeremy Frimpong last year at Bar Leverkusen. It was probably one of the most exciting pairings in world football at times last year, Frimpong and Diaby. Jeremy Doku's probably more of an individualist um, and, you know, is probably more prone to occasional lapses in concentration in terms of his, his on-possession, in-possession play. Um, but this is a maverick player that, that would light up the Premier League if he develops and, and is given the chance as well. Um, he's been linked to the number of moves over the last few years that haven't quite materialised, whether that's due to you know his agent or the price being quoted, because he is a really high potential player. We just are still talking about potential rather than a player that's in the sort of peak of their career. Okay, and uh, obviously that's a that's a link. Um, but uh, the player that has arrived is Musa Diaby from Bayer Leverkusen um, for a lot of money. Uh, why do you think Uno Emery was so keen to get him in to the Aston Villa squad? Well, I think he's a player that he'll know from his time at PSG. Musa Diaby didn't actually play under Emery the year that Emery left. 
um, which I believe uh, was in 2018. He then played very consistently for the next year. Uh, but Emery will know what his reputation was like from his time in the PSG Academy. This is a player that's gone from strength to strength at Bar Leverkusen in a very different way to Leon Bailey. He hasn't really had any injury issues over the last few years. He's actually only missed two games during his time at Bar Leverkusen, and one of which was for COVID, so you can't really blame him for that. And that was only just the one-game absence all the same. Uh, but he's really kicked on in the last few years. He has been one of the Bundesliga's most exciting attacking talents. And I know what everyone listening is going to think, oh, the Bundesliga attacks, which I think is a little bit overhyped, to be honest. I think, yes, it didn't really work out as we expected for Kai Havertz or Jadon Sancho just yet, or Emo, even Timo Werner. But they arrived a little bit younger, a little bit rawer than Moussa Diaby. And they didn't have an experience of working for a really top, uh, at a really top club or under really top managers as well, whereas Moussa Diaby does have that one season at PSG and in the last couple of years has played under some really promising managers as well in Gerardo Siawane and then Xabi Alonso, who came in in October last year uh, with the club facing a little bit of a relegation battle and ended up finishing way up the table. And, you know, his output's gone from strength to strength. I think last year uh, it was 12 goals and nine assists in 43 games in all competitions. That was worked out at around 17 goal contributions in the league alone. The year before that, it was 25. The year before that, 14. So this is a guy who has had three years of exceptional performance at Bayer Leverkusen and who seems ready to hit the ground running in the Premier League. And what do you think he brings to Villa that we don't currently have in the squad? I think that consistency and potentially injury record on the right-hand side, I think Leon Bailey... Wasn't necessarily the wrong player to target at the time, but it hasn't worked out as many Villa fans would have expected. And I think he has got capabilities of playing in a 4-4-2 if Emery wants to use that formation as well. He was actually a striker before becoming a winger um, and his days in the PSG Academy. I believe that was because he was seen as a little bit too lightweight to play out front. But that just does go to show that this is a guy that's very comfortable running on shots uh, running onto passes, sorry, into the box. And his finishing has just got calmer and calmer and more relaxed and more relaxed as time has gone on. So I think Villa fans can expect a player that could play comfortably on the left. He's probably most used going to be used on the right, but could also potentially play up front with Watkins in a 4-4-2. And in a squad where you're now looking really deep at centre-back and central midfield, you did need to improve your options on the wing and you did need to improve your depth at centre-forward as well, which is what I'd expect Unai Emery to move on to next. And do you think he could be a very effective player sort of on the counter? Let's say Villa is sitting deep and you want to knock it sort of long and there's a bit of space for someone to run into. Is he like a bit of a perfect signing for that? Absolutely, absolutely. I think the system that you guys play where you don't mind, you know, bringing teams onto you to then hit on the break, I think he's absolutely perfect for that. I mean, last year in the Bundesliga, he was clocked running around 36 kilometres per hour, mm -hmm. which doesn't made, make a lot of sense in and of itself. But that was actually fourth fastest in the whole Bundesliga. And that is a league where there's endlessly really physical, really transitional players that are used to operating at really fast speeds. To put that in a little bit of context, Mikhailo Mudrik, in his first game for Chelsea against Liverpool, clocked 36.6. So just 0.6 of a kilometre per hour slower than Mudrik, who has looked just un, sort of otherworldly fast since joining Chelsea and even in his days at Shakhtar as well. So this is a player that is tailor-made to operate on the counter-attack under, under Unai Emery. 
And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Diaby as in, you know, I th- everyone I've spoken to about him has spoken very, very highly of him, um, which has given me a lot of confidence that this is going to work out. I mean, the fact that, you know, Emery wants him, I, I always just back Emery's decision-making at the moment um, when it comes to a player. But do you think he is already one of the best attackers in Europe? I think he's definitely one of the best in his position. I mean, I put it out when he joined Villa. I think he's in the top 10 in the world as a right wingers. Admittedly, right wing is probably not as strong at the moment as left wing. Um, there's probably Salah, Saka, Usman Dembele, names that instantly spring to mind. But I think Diaby has the potential to become a top five player in the world in his position. I thought there was potential that he would go to a Champions League level club because he's played in the Champions League in the last couple of years with Bayer Leverkusen. He's also gone deep into the Europa League last year. And he did sort of did very well at that level as well. It felt like he was a player that was ready to do that next step. The clubs that I thought were going to be linked to them, he was probably going to be a backup. There was talk about Real Madrid at one stage. I don't think he gets into that starting 11 ahead of Rodrigo. There was talk about Arsenal over the last few seasons as well. Again, they seem very subtle with Bukayo Saka. So I think it made more sense for him to go and become a regular elsewhere. But this is a real coup for Aston Villa. As I said, this is a player with Champions League level experience with France caps to his name who has excelled in a very competitive division outside of the title race in the last few years. There are a number of clubs ranging from sort of second down to eighth, ninth in the Bundesliga that are a very similar standard. And Moussa Diaby has excelled in lots of those tighter games as well. Okay, well, it's very exciting to hear that. And I'm looking forward to him potentially making his debut out in the US very, very soon. Um, But, you know, we'll look at one or two other uh, players that Villa have signed as well. Uh, Paul Torres. Now, obviously very, very good in possession. He'd made his debut uh, in the summer series against Newcastle. And I described his um, ability on the ball as poetic. Uh, it sort of made me want to write poetry. It was very pretty, almost like a bit like, a bit Bushkets-esque at times, uh, which could be overhyped because obviously Bushkets is one of the greatest CDMs of ever. Um, but he just had a, had a very sort of Spanish style about him where he's you know, calm, composed on the ball, good with his feet and good at knocking it long to a struggle. But, um, you know, what do you think Emery brought him to the club for? Why did you think he brought him into Villa, considering that Villa already have quite a strong um, couple of centre-backs? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, he's obviously a left-sided centre-back. That's where Tyrone Mings has been playing. Mings had a drop-off under Steven Gerrard, along with a number of players. I'm not just singling him out for that. But I thought Tyrone Mings was, you know, exceptional under Emery last year. But you did need a little bit more depth in that left-sided centre-back role. Pau Torres has been linked with Spurs. He's been linked with Man United. He's been linked with even Liverpool, I believe, over the last few seasons. So again, it feels like quite a coup for Aston Villa. I also think he's got a nicely different skill set from Tyron Mings as well. I think Tyron Mings, the far more physical player, uh, very adept at set pieces, very adept at defending set pieces. Uh, and that will be something that Emery doesn't want to just completely lose from his back line. So I think that there's a chance that Pau Torres could potentially be paired with Diego Carlos. But again, with Diego Carlos just coming back from that Achilles rupture, it felt sensible for Aston Villa to invest in another centre-back and another top centre-back this summer. And Pau Torres, you know, with his experience with Spain, with his experience with Villarreal in the last few years, reaching a Europa League semi-final, sorry, a Champions League semi-final, winning the Europa League even, getting experience with Spain in major tournaments, feels ready to take the next step of his career. And in a similar vein to Moussa Diaby, I thought he'd be going to a Champions League level club. So again, this feels like 
a bit of a coup for Villa. Um, I do have slight concerns about his physicality, but you know we we won't know really until we've seen him in action. So best of luck to him. Okay, and uh, you know when you look at Villa's squad, uh, where do you think Unai Emery might target next? Yeah, well, as I said, I think you're pretty strong in in many areas now. I think Ashley Young's departure at right back probably means you need another right back. Matty Cash is a pretty different skill set to Jeremy Frimpong, who obviously linked up so well with Moussa Diaby last season. So I wouldn't be surprised if you dipped into the right back market. If Luca Dean was to leave as well, you'd probably need a backup left back, although Moreno has really made that position his own. I think you look pretty deep in central midfield now with Tielemans there as well, backing up Cameron and Douglas Louise. You've still got Den Donker. But I'd probably go for striker. I, I'm not quite sure why you're leaving it so late in the window to go for this striker because I just think there's a slight risk that Ollie Watkins was exceptional in the back end of last year. But beyond him, now with Danny Ings playing for West Ham, there's just not that much elite depth in that area. And look, it's difficult. Keeping Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins happy was a bit of a challenge. You know, they didn't necessarily work as well together as people expected. You very much settled in this one striker system, or at least this one out of night nine system. Mm-hmm. So bringing in a striker to play second fiddle to Ollie Watkins at a club that, you know, does have Conference League football this season, but will, you know, mainly be playing Watkins when he's fit is a difficult proposition to sell to many strikers. So I'm intrigued to see what you do in that market. But yes, I'd definitely be targeting a right back and a striker. And uh, just a couple more questions, you know, Brennan Johnson's another player that it feels like Villa have been linked with by very credible sources. I'd imagine that's a lot of money for you know the Premier League tax, we call it, I suppose. Um, do you think Brent, Brennan Johnson would be a good target for Aston Villa? Well, I know that there was that bid from Brentford, which was, mm. I think it was around £30 million, pounds, maybe 30, even slightly yeah. more. And that got rejected straight off the bat. I mean, he is a key part of Nottingham Forest project moving forward. I know they obviously signed, what, 23, 24 players last season. A lot of them didn't work out, but they did seem to have a settled 11 towards the end of the year. And Awan Nui and Brennan Johnson and Morgan Gibbs-White were really starting to build a bit of a relationship. And I thought Brennan Johnson was impressive last year. I think he'd probably be quite well suited to Emery's style of play, you know, not necessarily being all that bothered about endless, needless possession, but you know, you know, springing forward in the right moment. So I think Brennan Johnson's got the pace on the counter-attack. He's got good dribbling ability and actually showed a surprisingly good eye for goal as well last year. So potentially that's someone you could target, but I think it will just cost a lot, a lot of money this year to get him out of, get him out of Nottingham Forest. So I'd maybe look abroad. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's where I suspect Villa are going to go. It's just that price, Forest, particularly it's quite late in the window, actually, if we were to get him and they were trying to find a replacement. Though I, have, I suppose they have signed Elanga from Man United, so I don't know whether... That could potentially be a replacement for him in case he does go. But uh, Doogie, um, it's been absolutely great to chat to you. I always love listening to your thoughts on football. I enjoy following you on uh, Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called these days. Yeah. Um, so, so Doogie, um, uh, where can, for those who don't know, where can we find you and your work uh, online? Yeah, sure. So go check out Football Daily. I'm also, you know, occasionally on Sky Sports and Sky Sports News as well. But yeah, Football Daily, I'm on many of their shows per week. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Doogie Critchley. So yeah, come on over and uh, yeah, always enjoy chatting to football fans and other podcasts as well. So if you want to hit me up on Twitter and debate something or chat about something, I'm always willing to have a chat. But yeah, Frankie, thank you so much for having me on again. No worries. Good to chat to you and I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Cheers.